Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. interviewer and the creator of the show, where we get to sit down, meet some new friends, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. So I know that everybody technically started baking during COVID, but if you live in Los Angeles, you notice that there was someone whose baking was becoming as hot as a Nike drop. The company is called Fleur et Cell. I heard people were driving across the town to pick up the cookies. I heard how incredible the founder was. And of course, I heard we had to meet. Months later, here we are, and I am so excited to be sharing her story today. She is someone I deeply admire as a small business owner and someone who I really think we can all learn a lot from. When Laura Adekoya started baking during lockdown last year, she had no idea she would quickly become the cookie queen of Los Angeles. The 28-year-old baker is the founder of Floret Cell, a baked goods company that releases locally in small batches and sells out in under five minutes. What was initially a fun way to spread love during tough times quickly drew lines of fans to her at-home bakery. The demand for Floretzel has catapulted her to culinary success. She has hosted pop-ups at the Palisades Village and The Grove. She provides cookies for Netflix sets. Issa Rae is a personal fan, and she was just featured on Good Morning America. In this episode, Laura gives us the key takeaways from her entrepreneurial journey. I hope you guys love today's episode. As a reminder, we are off next Monday for the 4th of July, so I'll see you guys in two weeks. If you haven't followed the show and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow it and leave us a review. If you love the show, please share it with your friends. I love seeing when you guys are listening. So take a screenshot, share it on your socials, and tag me when you do. I will always reshare and usually say hi. Thank you all for tuning in today. I appreciate you guys and hope you have an incredible week ahead. Here's my friend, Laura Adekoya. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. I love. Thank you so much. Of I'm course. So my Instagram friend who like also just makes me hungry on Instagram 24-7. <laughs> That's my job. That means that I'm doing my job and the pictures are making people want the product, which is good. Yeah. Smart yeah. marketing. Right? Good for you. I'm so excited to have you in today because, you know, I am like the ultimate distant admirer of your business and you as a person and what you've built. So I'm really excited to be able to share that today in a more intimate way, because I think you have in our like private conversations, you have such an incredible story. And I just want to put that on a larger platform. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I can't wait to talk. Of course. How are you feeling today? I'm good. You just had a birthday yesterday. Yes, my birthday was yesterday. And I got to bake a little bit, but I also got to relax and just kind of take it all in, which is really nice. Yesterday evening, we went to dinner and I kind of had this moment where I just was like breathing and felt really at ease and was kind of just reflecting on the past year and the growth I've had since my last birthday or, you know, one year ago. And I'm just really happy and like ready to work. 
Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Felt that's really, really nice. Oh, I'm, I'm trying. If I could do anything, you know, just being positive and keep going is what I've learned. I love that. You are originally from Seattle. Yes. I'd love to hear a little bit about what your like baking history is like. What were the first yeah. things you remember baking? So it was my mom who I guess taught me how to bake. She's always been in the kitchen. She loves to cook herself. And then I'm one of four kids. So, I mean, keeping four kids entertained with sweets or food was easy, right? So the first things I remember baking were definitely like banana bread, chocolate chip cookies, oatmeal cookies. My mom loves oatmeal cookies and she likes coconut and walnuts and whatever. So definitely oatmeal cookies and seven layer bars. Whoa. I haven't made those in a while and they're so good. I don't think I've ever tackled a seven layer bar. Oh, it's like, I mean, I'll have to make them for you. It's like a buttery graham cracker crust. And then I don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, I can keep. (laughs) They're so good. And they're so easy. And then like coconut and condensed milk and chocolate and nuts. And I mean, they're just divine. That's how it started. (laughs) I love that. I feel like baking is such a, it's really something that's passed down. It's really something that like, Every time I'm in my kitchen baking something, I feel that like connection to moments I had when I was a kid. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I was going through when the pandemic hit because I was at home and, you know, of course, missing my family and had more time. And I mean, I've always loved to do it, but, you know, the pandemic did give everyone and myself more time to, you know, be creative and experiment and buy flour and sugar and see what we can do. You right. Know? So. What got you to L.A.? So I came to USC in 2011. So I went from Seattle and moved here. I had only been to LA, I think maybe once or twice before, but I always really loved being here. And then I got accepted to USC and I decided to come here and I just loved everything about the city from the people, how diverse it is, the weather, the opportunities. And it just felt like everyone here was just trying to make something of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and find themselves in a way. And I was like, okay, I'm like, what, 16, 17 years old? And I want to be a part of that movement. So, yeah. I appreciate that perspective because I feel like LA gets a bad rap for people who are, quote unquote, trying to make some things of themselves in a very superficial way. But it is really a unique place of opportunity. What did you study at USC? So I studied French and global health at USC. So USC Keck School of Medicine was the global health major and then Dornsife was the French major. And I just was excited about, you know, bridging my two passions of French language culture. That's always been something I've just loved since childhood. And then being able to study that at a professional level was awesome. And then global health, I was really passionate about because it's a social science. So, you know, really understanding people and culture paired with health was something that I really loved to bridge and hope to bridge in the future. So Laura goes, I'm studying French. I'm studying global health. I'm going to start a cookie company. I know. Like that's going to benefit the global health. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. It has been. I've had a really crazy journey from like my educational background because after USC, I was like, okay, I was debating to go pursue a master's degree in public health. And that's kind of where I hope to bridge the French and kind of travel to French speaking countries and use my knowledge of global health and a master's and whatever and kind of work in that sector. But then I was like, okay, I'll probably be more impactful as a physician. Hmm. So that's when I pivoted and I said, I'm going to go to dental school with hopes of later being able to kind of tap back into that global health degree that I had and, you know, the passion I had built there. So I started going to UCLA 
taking all of the science classes to apply to dental school. Concurrently was working at Nordstrom, which I also love because I'm someone who's definitely a connector, a people person. I learned a new skill, learned about sales and marketing and things that I didn't ever learn in the classroom and definitely didn't learn in school. So it was funny. I had this weird life where I was like the super bubbly, trendy salesperson during the day. And at night, I would literally take all of that off, put on my sweats or my Lululemons, my lab coat, my goggles, and like go to class and go to lab and study. So I was doing that. And then my life, man. I love that. <laughs> my life is crazy. That could be a TV show in and of itself. I swear. And then um, pandemic hit. I ended up applying to dental school and I didn't get accepted. So that kind of sucked. <laughs> And then we got furloughed from work at Nordstrom. So that's what brought me home. However, you know, with more time on my hands, that's when I really got to dive back into my passion of just baking and food. So it's this whole crazy journey, right, where I thought I was going to do this and thought I was going to do that and took all these classes to, you know, try and pursue what I thought was, you know, meant for me. But in this moment, I can tell you that I'm so happy because, I don't know, I've kind of let things take care of themselves. And I feel like I'm doing what I'm really supposed to be doing versus like chasing after some dream that, you know, I was never sure if I was going to be able to attain. Oof, that just brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. You know, it's like I remember going to class and studying and taking all of these exams and kind of relying on other people to predict my future to say, yes, you're in or no, you're not. But now I'm so proud of myself because I'm really paving my own path and using these different skills I've learned from even just social science, global health class, or just living in France in high school or being a salesperson. I'm using all of these different skills and things I've seen and witnessed to build my own brand and kind of do things the way that I think will benefit others as well. It's amazing how I feel like so many of us go through that journey as we're exiting college and kind of branching off into the real world. Real world. And when you're in it, it's brutal. Because you're just oh, yeah. like, how are all of these things going to connect and get me to a place where it's logical and it's a real job? Totally. But I can say from my own experience, and it sounds like yours, that you know, when, when failures happen, when doors close, it sucks in the moment, but it really does pave the way for the right thing to come along that you're meant to be doing. Couldn't agree more. And I think what is the most fun out of all of that, and even in that moment of like confusion and honestly neuroses it's you can sit there sometimes if you can get out of your own head and really connect those dots for what it means for you not what it's going to be for someone else like how do all of these subjects come together for what I want in my life yeah no totally and I think that's what I was kind of finding when I was working at Nordstrom I really excelled because I was my own boss you know, like I drove my own business. I made the relationships with my customers. I made sure to give them the level of service that I wanted them to have. And, you know, also as part of like the larger Nordstrom story with like, you know, red carpet service and the customer first and all of those things. But I really excelled because I was just being myself. And people like to see that, you know what I mean? There's a certain authenticity in someone being themselves and people gravitating towards that energy. And I think that's what I've just kind of built with Floricel, I think people like to see the growth and they just kind of want to be a part of it. And I love that because community is so important to me. We'll be right back after a quick break. When the summer months roll around, I am in desperate need of a collagen boost. My hair gets really dry, my scalp gets even drier, and my nails definitely need a little bit of extra love. 
which is why I am always on the hunt for an amazing product that also tastes good so I can incorporate it into my day-to-day and not even notice, which is why I love using Gold. It's a company that's on a mission to make wellness easy, fun, and approachable. With their suite of superfood wellness products, everything from Gold is vegan-friendly and made from 100% superfoods. Oh, and it tastes incredible too. Founded in 2017, the company launched with their original turmeric latte blend and now has over 10 amazing superfood wellness products, ranging from their really popular ceremonial-grade pure matcha to superfood plant-based face masks. And now, Gold is launching their newest superfood product, the Coconut Collagen Boost. The Coconut Collagen Boost is a plant-based collagen creamer that boosts your body's collagen levels from within. It's a collagen powder without any collagen. Yes, I swear. With simple ingredients like biotin, hyaluronic acid, bamboo extract, and coconut milk powder, Gold's Coconut Collagen Boost naturally and effectively boosts your body's own collagen production. It's an effective and plant-based way to get your daily boost of collagen, and it tastes amazing. I add it to my coffee every morning, but you guys can add it to your smoothies, matcha lattes, or more. The possibilities are honestly endless. It adds that creamy, coconutty kick to your daily routines. To celebrate the launch of their newest product, Gold is giving friend of a friend listeners 20% off the Coconut Collagen Boost. Use code FRIEND to get 20% off your first purchase of Coconut Collagen Boost by heading to gold.co, that's G-O-L-D-E dot C-O, and use the code FRIEND at checkout. I'm Lexi. I'm Shannon. I'm Tiffany. And this is the 6 and 9 podcast. Family dinner is at 6 and pre-drinks are at 9. We're serving laughs, cocktails, and lots of stories we probably shouldn't share. In this multi-generational mother-daughter podcast, nothing is off the table. We're unfiltered, uncensored, and undone. You can catch a new episode of 6 and 9 every Tuesday anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you are invited. In hearing about your journey moving on from Nordstrom, having... COVID happened, dealing with the pandemic and going back to something that was your original passion. I think when we last spoke, we talked a lot about how those clients and those customers were actually a big impetus to propel your cookie company forward. So we'd love to hear a little bit about the origin story of what it was like sitting at home during a pandemic, baking kind of like the rest of the world, but also knowing that you had something good on your hands. Totally. So like I said, I started baking uh, the first round of people I delivered to were just like friends from school, like from USC. I was like, hey, you guys, like I have these cookies, wear a mask. Uh, I'm going to come drop them off, you know, and it was so spur of the moment. But I mean, I was driving from Long Beach to Burbank to, I mean, just wherever my friends live. Some lived by school and just seeing their reactions to these cookies that were just like kind of magical and out of nowhere. Like they were like, we need more. <laughs> Uh, so that's how it first started. And then, of course, with like the power of social media, people were sharing and engaging with things I was posting and stuff like that. And then, of course, as a way to just reconnect with like my Nordstrom customers, because many of us, I mean, I would see some of them on a weekly basis, some of them on a monthly basis. I even have like this designer shoe stream where I would upload new product every day. So we were really engaged, even though we weren't seeing each other like all the time. So when the pandemic hit, of course, wanting to reconnect with them and, you know, they would also check on me like, hey, Laura, like, are you working or, you know, I want to buy these online. Can you still get the commission for it? Like, I mean, just floods of texts and just, you know, people wanting to just check in on one another. I kind of leveraged that and I was like, hey, I'm actually not making uh, or I'm not selling shoes anymore. I'm furloughed, but I am making cookies if you like cookies. And I mean, to my surprise, many of them were really receptive and they were like, sure, you know. Right. And um, 
connected on Instagram. They saw the pictures. They kind of saw what I was doing and they just wanted to support me how they were supporting me at Nordstrom. And working in like the designer shoe world, these customers are purchasing Gucci and Dior and all these beautiful fancy shoes that are expensive. And I always asked myself, you know, not to be nosy, but I wonder what so many of these women do, you know, just to be able to afford and have this like beautiful, awesome lifestyle that I didn't have. But, you know, I always saw myself as one day being an entrepreneur. And a lot of them are women bosses. I mean, Mindy Wise, iconic boss lady. Iconic. Iconic, you know, and she was one of my customers for years too. And I mean, I had customers that were like architects and or wives or, you know, raising children, you know, just I wanted to be like these women who were just so independent. And it was really awesome to be able to reconnect with them outside of the shoe world, just in kind of the real world and learn from them, but also, you know, grow with them, too. That was a long answer. That was a phenomenal answer. (laughs) Phenomenal answer. It's a whole thing. Well, no, I think something that always was just something that I thought was like inner genius right there was mm. hearing how you worked at Nordstrom at the Grove epicenter of LA let's oh, yeah. be honest like, <laughs> tons does. of families head there oh yeah um, it's definitely a bit more of an affluent neighborhood like mm. to be able to recognize that you have this amazing clientele that you've put in the work to foster and facilitate those relationships and mm. really nurture them it's not transactional they genuinely love and support you and they will wait to yeah, hang out with you I mean, and work with you so grateful yeah. so to to acknowledge that one and have put in the work there, but then two, to transition it into what your next step is and have that transcend just this like very transactional relationship at Nordstrom is a really big feat. And I think it's something that we talk a lot about as young entrepreneurs or people getting out of college. Anytime I ask someone what their biggest piece of advice is, it's nurture your relationships and network. Get out there, meet people, and don't just like meet them, say hi, and shoot them an email. Like, continue to check in, nurture that. Like, don't just go over there when you need something. I'm curious to hear what your best piece of advice is for continuing to nurture long term relationships like that because it has been such a successful thing for you. Totally. I would say, you know, always being yourself and always putting your best forward in any position. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like go to the grocery store dressed like a 10, you know? No. Because I don't. I wear sweats and my sandals. <laughs> but, you know, I will say always just making sure that you are your biggest cheerleader and representing yourself well, whoever it is that you're speaking to. It. Can, I mean, I mean, I just met this great woman at the DMV this morning. And granted, she let me cut the line, <laughs> which was really wow. nice because I, I was in a pinch. But I That's did. That's unheard of. Oh, I know. Her, yeah. Her name is Diana. She was great. Love. <laughs> but, I, you know, I did make sure to make a connection with her. And I extended myself and I said, hey, I started this business and I would love to get you cookies. So I'm going to get her free cookies, of course, you know, but just now I've built a relationship with someone that did me a solid and she didn't have to. But I want to make sure that she knows that I appreciate her. It's not just like I was like, oh, yeah, I cut the line. Like, you know, I'm going to follow up with her. I gave her my card and I was like, please text me. She's allergic to nuts, so I'm not going to make anything with nuts. But, you know, just making sure people feel special because... You know, I feel like this life is short and I want to have impact that's positive on the people that I meet, whether it's someone at the DMV or someone in line with me at Starbucks or a celebrity that I happen to come across or whoever it may be. That woman struck gold this morning. Oh, she's she doesn't even know. She doesn't even know. She has <laughs> no idea what she's in for. No idea. I'm like, you're about to get hooked. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about the cookie because there is something very specific about it. If you put 10 cookies in front of me right now, I'd mm. be able to be like, that's the one. Mm. 
I want to hear a little bit about like what the formulation process is like for you. Like, was it something that you pulled on from roots as a kid, something that you cooked? Because there is a very specific shape to it. Like it's a little round in the front and like the, (laughs) has a little height, kind of looks like an ice cream scoop sometime, which like then makes me want ice cream with it. Yeah. Very (laughs) dark and very bad for me. Um, (laughs) But I'd love to hear a little bit about the process of the creation of the infamous cookie. Oh gosh. Uh, Well, I mean, I always just, have loved cookies. I couldn't ever put my finger on the perfect cookie. Like I had never tasted it, but I knew what I wanted it to taste like. Right. (laughs) I mean, I remember as a kid, even just going to the mall and I mean, in Seattle, it was Mrs. Fields. I think they have it here too, but Mrs. Fields was like the cookie queen. It was in the Fashion Square Mall in Sherman Oaks. I think it's still there. Okay. But like, I would literally go there and get like the cookie cake. Oh yeah, that and I would- With the frosting. And I don't even like frosting. (laughs) Frosting. That's so funny. Yeah, my, I guess, I don't know if it's called guilty pleasure, but I would just go buy like six nibblers, the little chocolate chip cookies for like $4. And I was, oh, I forgot about those. Great. Holy moly. Great. So that to me was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go get some cookies. So when I, you know, had more time on my hands with uh, being at home and stuff, I just kind of wanted to make a cookie that I loved. And for me, that's a cookie that's moist. That's a cookie that's kind of thicker. That's a cookie that's a little bit doughy. So I kind of just worked to figure out, you know, do I need to add more of this or that to make it how I wanted it to be? It's like, do I freeze it? Do I put it in the fridge? Do I just make it on the spot? Like, what's the temperature? So it really was just trial and error and then kind of letting one cookie recipe evolve into the next and making sure that they were consistent was my biggest thing because, you know, we have our favorite pizza spots or ice cream spots that we go to and like, It just sucks when you go there expecting something and then it's just it just falls flat. So my biggest thing is making sure that the cookies always taste really good and they look how they're supposed to look and they look like they look like on Instagram. You know what I mean? Because, you know, social media does drive a lot of my business. So I would never want someone to say, like, this is the cookie. This is Instagram. Like, what's going on? It's like a diet product moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. So, yeah, it's definitely taken time, but I feel like I've perfected my cookies. We'll be right back after a quick break. Calling all my Beekeepers Naturals fans. I know that there are so many of you at this point. I'm such a huge fan and I've loved being able to share it back with you guys. Today, I'm going to tell you guys about a product that I am absolutely obsessed with. As the world has opened back up again, I feel like I'm in back-to-back meetings again. I'm traveling. There may be late nights every now and again. And I have definitely needed an immune boost, which is why I love their Bee Immune Throat Spray. For those of you who don't know Beekeepers Naturals, it is a wellness company that is disrupting the conventional medicine cabinet by creating nature-powered medicine that actually works. Beekeepers Naturals uses a very special, potent natural ingredient called propolis. And if you haven't heard about it yet, it's actually something that acts as bees medicine. But it also contains over 300 vitamins and minerals that are beneficial to to the human immune system. I take mine every single day. I usually do three to four sprays in the morning and I'll probably do it a little bit later in the day if I have a podcast or I feel like I've been on a ton of calls because not only is it something that I know that I'm supporting my immune system on a day-to-day basis, but it also soothes a really scratchy, uncomfortable throat. For a limited time, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you guys a very exclusive, amazing deal. They will ship you a free two-week supply of Bee Immune Propolis throat spray. You just pay $5 for shipping. To claim this deal, you must visit beekeepersnaturals.com backslash friend because the deal is not available on their regular website. So be sure to go to B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U 
com slash friend. And the deal is only available for a limited time. Start prioritizing your immune health today. And if you don't love it, they'll refund your $5. No questions asked. You can also find Beekeepers Naturals nationwide in over 2,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, and Sprouts. And if you're interested in learning more about the company, go listen to our episode with their founder, Carly Stein, on our podcast page. Now let's get back to the show. I'm curious to hear, and this is always my favorite question to ask because Mm. I've been in this position and I'm sure a lot of people listening have been or will be at some point in their Mm. life. The second you identified that you had a viable business, what was the first thing that you did? Whether it was jump into Instagram, file for a trademark, all those like fun, nitty gritty, not so fun moments. Yeah, I would say the first thing that I did was definitely like file an LLC Mm -hmm. just so I felt that, okay, Laura, this is like for real. You know what I mean? Like I'm paying the thousand dollars or however much it costs to like file all that stuff and just setting myself up for what's to come, even though I didn't really know what, you know, how it would roll out. Right. Right. But that's definitely like the first like businessy step that I took called my dad, called my mom and was like, I'm doing this. What do I click? You know, just because I always talk to them just before I do anything big. But I think the other biggest thing that I did was just to, you know, make sure that as I was setting myself up with this brand that I was creating, making sure that it really reflected me. And so I named it Fleurisel. I speak French, which means flowers and salt. And the origin of the name, of course, I love flowers. Like, I just love flowers. <laughs> we should have had flowers in this room. Oh, no, it's Sorry. okay. I grow up so many flowers in my house. But even, like, in the early days of the pandemic, when I was, like, formulating this and I was getting inspired by everything around me, uh, my boyfriend and I would ride our bikes all over West Hollywood because that's where we lived. And it was spring, so the flowers were blooming, right? The pink flowers and the red flowers. And, and the purple trees purple. right now that get all over your car. They get all over your car, but they're still beautiful. And, like, still you, know, you walk and there's, like, magenta petals on the ground right. and like I just found so much beauty in the flowers like that's what brought me happiness in the early days of the pandemic was like all of these blooming flowers so of course it was like flowers fleurs like that's so me and then I love salt and it's funny because I lived with my sister and whenever I would cook she would say my <laughs> food is salty but it's not ouch rude sister. <laughs> no but it's like funny <laughs> but I mean I just always loved salt and I was like flowers and salt like oh that's really cute and then so it's just you know, making sure that the brand, the name, the logo, the colors, it was just authentic to myself. And that way, as it would grow, it's never like I felt like, oh, gosh, what am I going to post? Or like, oh, gosh, like how, you know what I mean? I need to curate this. Con- like, I've never had those thoughts go through my head because it's just me and the brand is an extension of things that I love. So right. it's never like this pressure to curate content or curate an image it's just an extension it's just an extension that's why it's just kind of come easy I guess I actually feel like that's like the like the main pillar of your business I know Mm. you and I have talked a ton about this and I remember during COVID when we were like peak quarantine Mm. I would have a family friend who was driving from West Hollywood to the Palisade, which, okay, granted, during COVID, not a lot of traffic, but Still, on a normal day, yeah. no. no. <laughs> and they were literally going to visit you at your pop-ups. So and awesome. it was a thing that I heard about consistently, and I saw people posting about consistently. And it wasn't just about the cookies. People would go there to see you. And you know that, too. Yeah. <laughs> you hear she's giggling, but you know that, too. And I think... 
I mean, it's, it was so interesting now knowing your relationship and journey at Nordstrom, because I think that that's just completely translated to where you are now. But I'm curious to hear what it's like running a business where, yes, you do have a product, there's a commodity there, but there you are also a very big physical touch point of it. Definitely. Um, I think it has only strengthened the overall business because, like you said, people love the cookies and they love the product, and I do too. But that FaceTime has been FaceTime, of course, meeting like seeing in person or the pop ups and stuff, even just the interactions of customers like coming to pick up from me um, or we're meet up or we have pop ups. I think both have really become hand in hand because the business is really. I mean, it's cookie centric, of course, but it's definitely community centric and centered also around like compassion. So like you said, we've, you know, I've had had so many customers drive from here and there and not only just drive super far to get these cookies, but it's also been, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, was going to have my wedding, but because COVID we're not having it. So we're going to do like a virtual ceremony. Can I get little cookie bags and we're going to drop them off all over? You know what I mean? Or yeah. even I've had parents say, you know, my child is in school, but they're not doing this. So can we just gift to the teachers? So it's really been this like act of love and people spreading not only just the word about the business, but they, you know, I always told myself or my parents told us too, like when you hear something good or you find something good or you taste something that you love, it's only human nature to share that. So not only on Instagram, but just word of mouth. And that's really what's happened. So, I mean, I'm so grateful. It's more than cookies. It's definitely about compassion and community and spreading that love. And I'm going to drive so far to get these cookies, but I'm not only going to just get them, I'm going to share them. And that's really the beauty of Fidelity I love that. Yeah. You brought up Instagram. You are primarily a digital business right now, which yes. I love. It gives me this kind of like drop mystique. Like oh, yeah. if I don't hit her up within two minutes of her posting about this, I'm not getting my cookies. <laughs> it's difficult out it's here whole, to get, you know, thing. difficult to get cookies out here. <laughs> but I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience in dealing with that because I know we've talked about locations and pop-ups and things like that, but most of your orders are done via Instagram and via your website. So yep. how has that experience been for you? You know, like I think the beauty of COVID if I could say that, it's not over, but so far is that I think we all have an, a different appreciation for the little things, which I think is so beautiful. Even it's just like, oh, this girl makes cookies, like support her. Or like, I found this really great young gentleman who makes bread and it's so good. And now that's the bread I want, not the bread that I would buy from Whole Foods, you know, or, who, or wherever. So just kind of treasuring these little moments um, has been so important and fundamental to the brand. But as we pivot and transition into more normal life when we can go do this and go out to our favorite restaurants and whatever. I still want to make sure that people don't think that Florisel is some pandemic business that's in the past. Mm. So making sure that not that I'm, you know, keeping up with the time. So making sure that I'm positioning myself in the best way possible so that as things open up and people are, you know, more, I guess, comfortable with different experiences, like having a pop-up now is going to look very different from having a pop-up, you know, in the Palisades that I did in December where we were all masked up six feet away. Everything is prepackaged. You can't touch the cookies. I will bag, you know, it's just going to be a very different experience, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, I just told this other lovely customer, her name's Lily. She just picked up. I can't wait for people to see my smile without a mask. Yeah. I mean, they make me so happy. Like I've I've cried. <laughs> I've cried so many times. But I just can't wait for, you know, to see someone pick up and see their smile and 
it's this like exchange that's so comfortable and that we've all just been waiting for because everyone's seen me with a mask on and I've seen them with a mask on and everyone looks great, but it's going to be this like amplified level of like, wow, this is really, really, really special. We'll be right back after a quick break. You know, it's funny of all the things that I've been missing over the past year, it's the little things I miss the most, like making awkward eye contact across the room or meeting a stranger in line. That's what I'm trying to get back to. Vaccination is the most effective way to help prevent COVID-19 and get back to the good times. Find out where you can get your COVID-19 vaccine near you at vaccines.gov. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot gov. What do you think is the key to a good customer service? Well, from Nordstrom, right? We always learned that the customer is always right. Right. Even Someone's like, your cookies are horrible. And you're like, um. I'm like, <laughs> I doubt anyone's ever said that. No. <laughs> hey, I've had some people challenge, you know. But it's funny because even just like working at Nordstrom, right? So it was all about the customer. The customer's always right. That was kind of like what we were taught and kind of, you know, whatever. But then you would see a customer bring in like a super trashed, worn pair of like Ugg boots or rag and bone boots, right? That's beyond you wore them once and they were uncomfortable. So then it's like at this point where you're like, okay, am I being taken advantage of? Mm. Is our mentality being taken advantage of or whatever you want to call it? Or is the customer always right? So we had to deal with so many of those kind of, I guess, situations, I guess, just working on Hiroshima. And so I kind of learned how to adapt and understand customers and see things from both sides, right? So with me, you know, having my business and having it being really customer-centric, I definitely value what the customer has to say. I understand that not everyone is going to like my products. I understand people are going to love every single flavor and just want more, you know? But just being able to kind of balance and differentiate between this and that and also just kind of listen and hear what other people have to say. I feel like I don't always have to agree, but I definitely am someone who's open-minded and, you know, a customer has recommended I do this. And I was like, that's a great idea. And I've implemented it. But at the same time, you know, the customer's job and the consumer's job is to enjoy the product. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really need you critiquing how much salt I put on the cookie. I just want you to enjoy it and have a smile on your face and come back. You've had definitely a full circle moment with that Nordstrom job last year. Last year. Okay. That was. Yeah. Last year you had a pop up in the Grove in the glass box where if you guys have been to the Grove, you probably visited the Skims pop up maybe. And it was in the same place. Mindy Weiss helped you out with it, which is like, like, don't have words for that one for you, but like what a huge accomplishment in this beautiful full circle moment to go from, okay, I used to work literally an eye eye shot away from here. This woman who has championed me used to work with me while I was there. And now I'm here with my own business, my own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial endeavor must be a really, really incredible full circle moment for you. Totally was. I mean, that You know, I feel like even like when you're like interviewing for stuff, they're like, what's your proudest moment or what's your biggest accomplishment in life? And I never really had one. I mean, I always just kept trying to be the best that I could be and just keep going. And, you know, it's like you got into USC and then you got into grad school and then you got this great job and you thought, you know, it's like we always are striving for the best. But that moment was definitely, you know, having that pop up across from where I used to work was definitely like a wow moment there were people who read about my story in like the news like I think we had an LA mag article 
And they came out and they were like, you're you're the owner. Like, I read about you. And that's why they came. And I was like, wow, people are coming for me. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> but then on top of that, it's like all of the awesome customers that like pulled up to my building in West Hollywood. I drove to their house in East LA, you know, when I was first starting. They were at the pop-up too. And I just was like, oh my God, like the, we're all together and like people seeing one another and you know, my best friend's two people in front of me and the guy I saw last week is behind and we're all here and we're all excited. And so that to me was like the biggest full circle moment plus pairing, you know, working with Mindy and- What was that like? I mean, she's just the best. She's the you best. You know, she's just-, she's just Down like, to like the detail, down to like the just, gravel of sand on the floor. She's just the best. I mean, and even just during the pandemic, I got to know her team too. And they're just exceptional people that were willing to help me and teach me. And I mean, I'm just forever grateful. You know, you just don't get those experiences all the time. So I know I'm very, very, very blessed. So where's the next pop up? Girl, I'm planning it right now. I I, I can't tell you yet. I love the avenue of like sticking to the pop ups. I mean, I think they're great. It's really been awesome to travel a bit. I mean, we went to Redondo Beach or South Bay Area had a lot of support. I mean, who knew? Right. A lot of support down there. We most recently did a pop-up in Glendale. Again, a new audience, but it was really great to be in a new, you know, a new area and, you know, engage those customers that live out that way, but can't really get to Culver City or can't get to West Hollywood. So the pop-up model has been really great. And then it's afforded us the opportunity to partner with different people, um, different businesses. And then I always like to bring on like a couple girls that I know who maybe do flowers or, you know, whatever it is that they do. But just being able to uplift anyone that I can and kind of partner and support people who have these skills that I need everyone to know about. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a masterclass in starting a business on social media because Mm -hmm. that's really what it is. And with that, you end up like collecting an audience that's not just centered to this one area in Mm. West Hollywood of Mm. where you're based. I feel like during COVID, you were aggregating audiences from all over the place and having this pop-up. It's not a traditional business model, but it's a model that works for you because of the way that you have built the business around social media and working in these different communities. Totally. So I think it's genius because a lot of people are like, oh, I have to do this the traditional way. Like you build an audience, you have a product, you do a store. You do a store. But it's like that would have prohibited you from all these other people like in Long Beach, like in Redondo Beach that love what it is that you do and want to share it. Right around the same time I had followed you, you had posted that you were downtown around the LA mission, just handing out cookies. And last time I saw you, I asked you all about it because it was something that I just, I think is one of the most unique, but also just like such a beautiful part of your business. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you started doing that. And if it's something that you're going to continue doing. Totally. I've been to the mission a couple of times just to, you know, hand out cookies if I had extras or maybe sometimes I would just felt like baking or wanted to try something new. And I mean, I can't eat like 50, 60, whatever, how many cookies. I mean, I mean, I mean, I could. If you don't (laughs) want to go downtown, like I'll give you my address. I'm I'm like, we're we're 10 minutes away. Like I'm happy to taste test anytime. New flavors. Anytime, girl. Anytime. Uh, But yeah, I just love giving back. And, you know, it's not always about putting everything on social media, right? Like, right. I mean, it's it's kind of this balance between, yeah, you want to, like, engage people and let them know what you're doing so they can do the same versus, like, bragging I'm handing out free cookies to, like, no, that that's not what it's about. 
So I love the experiences that I have had to do a little bit of like, and not even charity work, but just to connect with different people and the gentlemen and women that I met when I went downtown, some of which I've actually found a way to keep in contact with through Instagram. That's you know, awesome. It's awesome. But just to kind of hear their perspective on what's going on has been so valuable because they see LA in a different light than I do. But that value, you know, that perspective is valued and you know, even just like this one gentleman, I handed him the peanut butter cookie and he was like, this is how my granny used to make them. And I was like, yes, that's the point, right? Yeah. To this grown man to have this aha moment where he's like, this was like my grandma, like my grandma. You know, like that's that to me is huge. Like even if he didn't like the cookie, which he did, the fact that it brought out a little bit of like childhood was just, I mean, you can't put a price on that, you know? Yeah. So I hope to do more of those things in the future. It's been really awesome because I've even had customers who have said that they were inspired by what I did. They ended up donating to their favorite, you know, charity or, you know, do what they can to buy cookies and give them out at the hospital to their friends that were essential workers. So I just hope to, you know, inspire other people to just keep doing acts of good and acts of service for others because, that's my way of showing love. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, we all have our love languages. That's definitely mine. And so I just want to keep inspiring other people to do the same. I love that. <laughs> I want to ask a few questions that are geared towards hearing about your entrepreneurial journey and how you can share that with others. Mm. We were talking earlier when we first got in here about your birthday yesterday yes. and how you spent a lot of the time baking. And something that I always find so interesting is when I get to meet incredible entrepreneurs who have taken their passion, what it is that they love to do, and turned it into a business. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what boundaries you have to set with yourself so that you continue to keep up a passion, but also it continues to drive your business. That's a great question. So I told myself that I was going to take off, take off, take off the month of April. And in my the whole mind, month? Yeah, it just, it was dumb. But I just told myself I'm going to take off the month of April <laughs> so that I can get done everything I need to do. My taxes, find a storefront that never happened. I mean, just, just I thought I was going to be able to do these things, right? But as an entrepreneur, you know, there's no such thing as turning it off. I was still baking. I was still taking orders. I was making great relationships. I even had a pop-up, you know? So, you know, it's just like... She really took that month off. I, yeah, I really, re you know, May 1 came and I was like, what did I do all month, you know? But what I, what I have learned is just learning to set little boundaries, you know, like 6 p.m., I don't need a post. People know what's going on. I'm just going to kind of put my phone away and be present in my personal life, you right. know? Or, you know, I'm going to just make, you know, I don't know, just staying on top of it and staying organized and just creating little boundaries of when you're going to work, when you're not going to work, or if you're going to bake for passion or bake for, you know, work. It's just trying to just make time and stay organized and, you know, at the end of the night, I go to sleep, I sweep my floors, I'm like, everything's clean, my mind is at ease, and then I can go to sleep, so. Have to sweep the floors every night before bed. Every night. Have to, have to like Not have that distinction of oh, like yeah. home and business. Home like, and business. That's where you draw your line. I love that. You gotta have little totems like that that remind you that like, you're like, okay, my day's done. Oh yeah, dishes are washed, yep. everything's clean. That's how I like end my day too is like the house, because I work, I also work from home. So it's yep. like, I got to clean all these little elements Your of desk, the house. So everything. Yep. Whole thing. Yeah. Whole thing. In the morning, I make the bed and then let's go to work. Yep. Yeah. What do you think is a key quality you have to have as a small business owner? Self-motivation, without a doubt, because you are the, you're the champion. You know what I mean? You are the one carrying the weight. 
even as, you know, I don't have employees or anything, but even if you are, you know, a self-employed or you have your own boss or you have your own business and you have employees, they call out, they don't want to do this. It's it's on you. It's your business. So being a self-starter and a hustler and a self-motivator, I mean, you have to, you have to have that. Okay. So I know that you place orders in certain times, but um, what is the easiest way for someone to find out if you are taking orders? Yes. I would say the easiest way. I'm super engaged on Instagram. So make sure you're following at Floricel. I'm sure we'll tag it. Oh, absolutely. In the description, <laughs> in the descri- Instagram, link, whole link thing, in guys. bio, whole click thing, below, guys. you know. Um, but I definitely post a lot of, even just like daily, I might have extra grab bags or cookies. I always post on my Instagram stories and page. The website is more formal for taking orders. I'll usually take orders once a week for that week. And um, that's the best way. I mean, both. I do everything. So I do the website. I do the Instagram. So I'm super engaged. And you can always find a way to reach me or DM me. I'm pretty responsive. So yeah. Godspeed guys. Godspeed. Sorry about, sorry about this episode because now you're, I hope you're going to order cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and eat them like me 24 seven. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.